0: Welcome to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn, CPA, your host today. Tons of news, tons of good stories to talk about, local business, national business, investments, second opinions, weird markets, you name it, it's going on today. So I'm going to start off today just with a couple of uh, items. I want to talk, I always like to start out with whatever local news I can get my hands on. One of the things that is interesting is now that it's tax season, I'm seeing people every day. So I do want to keep you posted on the local angle of the new tax law. My tax program has a feature after I've input the 2017 numbers and, well, at any point, but when I get done and I see what their 2017 tax, total tax is looking like, I can then hit a button that gives me uh, an analysis of the 2017 numbers transposed onto the 2018 tax law. Now, of course, I've been able to do that by hand, but now that the program has that in the program, it's really handy. And what I'm noticing is, so far, there have been zero tax clients through, through the early February here that we're in now. So far, there's been zero tax clients that aren't getting a tax cut with the 2018 law on their 2017 income, and I I expected that. Since this law came out, I've been watching it, learning it, analyzing some of the comparisons, and I've expected that to be the case, but it's really fun right now to see that in the real-life world of 2017 tax preparation, every client is getting some sort of tax break. This early in the tax season, I'm not seeing a lot of the more complicated business ones with self-employed earnings. I'm looking forward to analyzing more of those because as the tax season progresses, normally the taxes that I'm working on get more complicated as time goes by. The big ones are usually coming in in March. A lot of the big ones get done on extension and we do the final work in the summer. And I've talked about that before. Sometimes it's smart to do an extension, but we can cover that later. I'm really looking forward to the tax savings that's going to happen to the people that have self-employed earnings, that have pretty large tax balances, that are in the higher brackets than the some of the basic ones I've been doing here at the start of February. So my report for the local tax preparation scene of the 2017 tax year, my report is that everybody is getting their taxes lowered for 2018. What's also corresponds to that The withholding tables to allow for these lower rates, even for wage earners, they have changed. So as of February, if you're a wage earner, your paycheck should reflect the higher net pay because your federal income tax is being lowered based on the new tax law. That means that your refund next year may not change, but if everything else stays the same, you've taken more money home than the year before. That's a feature where some people might not notice it. But in other words, if somebody's saving $1,000 a year in tax, what they may not notice as they go is that every month they've got $83 in their pocket that they didn't have a year earlier. That's where the tax cut basically shows up. And it just depends whether you're a wage earner or whether you're a a self-employed person or if you own rentals, that's kind of like being self-employed. The nice thing about rental income is you don't pay Social Security tax on your net income, but you still get, most rental things are still going to get the good tax breaks of 2018. Now, I don't want to say blanket, they all do, because rentals are always a different kind of animal. They're sort of a cross between an investment and a business, and the law treats them different ways. They sort of treat them as um, investment sometimes and as uh, businesses some other times. So, Rentals are kind of weird, but they do get pretty good tax benefits now, and they don't cause Social Security tax on the net income. That's always been a little strange. I always look at these tax breaks and I say, okay, what are the biggest tax breaks? Okay, the number one biggest tax break is very low rates on long-term capital gains, dividends, most dividends, and that is a huge tax break. Then the another real good tax break is rental income doesn't get self-employment tax. That's a good tax break. Another good tax break is the principal residence exclusion. If you qualify as a principal residence, and I'm not giving tax advice over the air, I'm just telling you about the basic rules. If you do have a situation, you need to contact a professional like myself or one of the other excellent North Valley CPA firms. What I'm saying is that that is a big tax break. And if you qualify, if your residence qualifies, you as a single owner or as a married couple, single gets a $250,000 tax free gain on a home sale, residence sale. Married gets a $500,000 tax free gain on a residence sale. That law basically stayed the same with the 2018 new tax law. What my point is in this little part of the discussion is that the lower the tax rates, the more it's the rich guy's income. In other words, my first category of the best tax breaks are long-term capital gains and dividend income. That is the lowest tax. That's the best rates. That is the rich guy's income. I don't do any of these kind of people, but if you looked at the tax return of a billionaire, like whoever, you know the names, if you looked at a billionaire's tax return, I guarantee that, and I'm just guessing, but I'd say probably 80% of their income would be made up of long-term capital gains, capital gain dividends, ordinary dividends that are called qualified, those are all the ones that get the real low rates, And they also probably would include tons of municipal bond interest. Municipal bond interest is tax-free. That is another little segment that we're going to talk about a little later today. Municipal bond interest ties into what something else I'm going to talk about. But my point is, as you go down the row of tax-favored income, you start going down more to the average person at the bottom of that rung. So the second thing that I mentioned was rental property is getting the new tax break like a business, but it doesn't pay Social Security tax like businesses do. That's another category that the billionaires would have a lot of on their tax return. In fact, if the 80% I mentioned was the billionaires' capital gains and dividends, probably 10 of the last 20 of the billionaires' return would be rental income from like owning an apartment house in San Francisco or New York, earning them a million or two a year or whatever. That is a semi-favored area also. Then you go down the rung. The next one I mentioned was the big gain on principal residences. Now this one, I will say, does benefit more of the people toward the average. But there are still a lot of people and there's a lot of taxpayers who have yet to be able to afford a home, especially in California. So that... Tax break is a good one, and it does apply to normal people often, but it's not you know, ev- the everyday guy's tax break. The everyday guy doesn't own a home. You know, a lot of the, what I consider the everyday guy is the working man, pays rent, goes hard to work every day, works a lot, and takes home what he can and then pays as little tax as he can. That is the, the other big tax break is that r- principal residence sale. What I'm getting to is now you get down to the bottom of the rung here. Wages are ordinary income. They don't get a special tax break. Pensions, if you get a pension from Calsters because you were a teacher your whole life, that pension is ordinary income. It doesn't get a tax break. And the working guy who's like, I I always use the example, let's say there's a handyman that makes $30,000 a year and he's single. His regular tax has gone down with this new tax law somewhat, and he'll probably save a decent amount of money on his regular tax. But his regular tax isn't his main tax. A single guy that makes $30,000 working as a handyman, and I'm doing the math in my head right now, probably pays something like maybe 1500 to 2000 a year in regular tax. But he pays Social Security and Medicare tax, which is called self-employment tax, of $4,500 on his 30000 That's the guy I'm talking about in the highest bracket. So basically, the real high brackets in the real world are being levied on the guy that makes less, and that's my contention. I do understand that tax rates go up to the 35% level, but when in reality, if you looked at the tax returns of Bill Gates or someone like that, I'm not picking on Bill Gates. I don't know the man. But his tax return, I guarantee, doesn't pay anywhere near 35% of his total income. So that was my point about who's getting the benefits of these nice tax breaks. And I can venture to say that the wealthy people are the ones taking advantage of the real good stuff. And we have to sort of sort of wait for the scraps, so to speak, and see, well, like I said, this year, the new tax law is good for self-employed people, and it is going to lower their taxes. Now, another bit of local news that I thought was very interesting is I've been talking about retail and commercial real estate and the trouble they have at these malls where Sears closes so the other stores try to renegotiate their lease. They The mall can't make as much money as they thought they would when they started the mall 10 or 20 years ago so I'm, I've been on that subject a bit and one of the articles that I found and it's from a week or two ago but it's another one from the Chico ER business section and it's called unused space at malls become new homes and basically the bottom line is malls that can't fill up their space with retail are starting to look for residential usage for the mall so it kind of makes sense if you're in a place like San Francisco or the Bay Area, housing is short, but commercial space is got some excess. There's some surplus of that here and there. What better use for the commercial space that's real estate that's already built? Why not take an empty commercial space and try to turn it into a full residential space? You've got a big housing demand where people are paying tons of money in rent. Maybe that would work. That's what's going on, according to this article. The person that is being referred to in this article says he pointed out the 1970s Hilltop Mall in Richmond, visible from Interstate 80, as an example of this trend. Last year, the new owners announced plans for 9,600 housing units at the site, along with office, hotel, and entertainment uses. Shopping malls are usually well located near freeways or downtown, so the locations are generally prime. While building on bare land is never as easy in California, tearing up existing concrete and asphalt moves more quickly. These projects are better than infill because they battle blight. I thought that was really interesting. So the whole trend of commercial realty being less valuable as the old world usage, which is... Sears, Pennies, Kmart, that's the old world, that is now being repurposed, and it might help with the housing crunch in certain areas of California. I have noticed this year also with the tax season, the residential rental rates for my clients that are residential landlords, rent is going way up. So any of you out there that are paying rent, I'm sure you know this, I don't have a residential rental myself I have some commercial rental uh, income properties it really looks like rents are really going high so uh, it's a that's good for the landlords it's not so good for the tenants but I know that if some of these malls can end up converting commercial space into residential space that's got to be good so that was that was a local news story that really caught my attention now there was one other one in the local paper And it was, i got to find it here real quick. The uh, Chico Chamber asks for a tax increase to pay for roads, police, and then they go on to say public safety. So I I just wanted to bring this up because this one just came out uh, a week or two ago. The Chamber of Commerce is recommending a tax increase to raise additional money for city services like police staffing, fire, and roadway improvements. Well, Whether you like taxes or not, this is sort of a, it's almost like an automatic thing. It's like, where else are they going to get this? One good part of this article mentions that they don't want to include pensions in the reason why the taxes are going up. And I thought that was interesting that they bothered mentioning that. But the real problem with these city budgets, I think, in the long run, is the topic I've been talking about for quite a while. When we get to this first break here, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about some of the things that you have to watch out for for the coming squeeze in all these pensions and state and local budgets. I will see you at the end of the break. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We'll be right back with Business Buzz. Stay tuned.
1: Maybe you haven't been to church in a while because you have the idea that church is not relevant to your life. But churches have changed a lot. Here's what some people have to say about churches these days.
2: I think there's just really a
1: closeness among the people. There is life here that that is not in this world that um, this world doesn't have to offer. I really like the positive environment. They really provide an opportunity for everyone to get involved. Church, look around and check one out. There's one out there for you. It's a real loving community. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn CPA. I'm filling you in on all the business and investment news you need to know that I would venture to say other people are not telling you. Not all of it anyway. One more quick thing on the local front, there was also a real good article that mentioned and this is all from the Chico ER business section, Golden Valley Bank is opening a Redding branch. I thought that was pretty cool cuz I know that bank I don't know the bank Individually, but I know of people who love that bank. They say the service is great. I believe the board and the ownership of that bank may involve Sierra Nevada Brewery, a lot of large local companies, a lot of large local figures. And I think it's a real good bank. Now, I have looked up, when I hear about banks, I like to look up, there's a thing called the Texas Ratio. I've talked about it before. If you ever want to look up the health of your bank or a small bank you might be thinking about banking with, look up their Texas ratio. It's a very good precursor of a bank that's going broke. I did look up Golden Valley Bank a year or two ago, and it had a very, very good ratio. In other words, it's not anywhere near being a weird, problematic bank. The one I remember from Chico most recently was the Butte Community Bank. It's been many years now, but that one went belly up. And right before it went belly up, I had looked up their Texas ratio and it was horrible. Anytime you're dealing with looking at a new bank or advising somebody with their bank, look up their Texas ratio to make sure they aren't on their last legs. Right now, the banking industry, I don't think is in that big of a bind, but as I keep telling you, things can change. Now, I'm going to spread out a little bit. I'm going to talk about things away from just the local area. I wanted to point out something about the stock market lately. Anybody who's invested in the stock market has probably been having many heart palpitations or more over the last few days. Last The end of last week, the Dow Industrial, which is the one everybody watches and the ones I you know remember, It was down 666 points on Friday. Well, if you're any kind of conspiracy theory person, that does not bode well. But that was the drop, which was large. Then on Monday, it was down over 1,100 points, which is a record Dow drop in points, but not in percentage. 4% drop is not that big of a deal. In 1987, I believe it was a 22% drop in one day, even though it was only 500 points. Then today, what ended up happening was it opened up, and don't quote me on these numbers exactly. I've just been—I I had a—I have busy days right now with tax season. I don't have a chance to watch anything on the market thing, but I do look it up later. It, i believe it went down by 600, then up by 500. There was 6,000 points worth of swings during the day, and I believe it ended up around 500 points up. I'm not going to look it up right now. The reason I'm not going to look it up right now is, just like Donald Trump doesn't like fake news, I don't like fake markets. I believe that ever since the great financial crisis of '08, we have been living in a completely fake market situation. I've pointed this out before. interest for almost 10 years is not natural. It's never happened in the history of mankind. It's not a real market. The bond market being sky high with all these low rates, that's not a real market. The stock market going straight up when unemployment, uh, from what I can see, working on Mangrove Avenue, trust me, I can see that (laughs) employment is not going that well. And I can just see it by the traffic so to speak, that walks by my office every day. So I am not any kind of positive outlook for this whole economy. Whatever the markets are doing, in my opinion, it's fake markets. So if you're sitting there with your portfolio going up and down by thousands and thousands of dollars a day, all I can say is good luck. There's ways that you can protect that money, and you don't have to worry about that downside. I've talked about it numerous times. I'll go over it again a little later today. But the articles I'm going to discuss today all have to do with this same idea and the same category. Now, one of those is... An article from my favorite news website, which I've mentioned before many times, called zerohedge.com. And the title of this article is, Illinois Unveils Another Shocker, Sell a Record $107 Billion in Debt to Fund Insolvent Pensions. So this hits on two points that I just made. Number one, municipal bond debt is where tax-free municipal bond income comes from, and Pensions are insolvent all over the United States and all over the world. So I'm just going to read part of this article to you. I won't go in super depth, but you got to hear this. If there is such a thing as financial hell, it is probably Greece, with Illinois coming in close second. For those unfamiliar, here's a quick recap. Illinois rated just one notch above junk is drowning under a mountain of debt, unpaid bills, and underfunded pension liabilities, and its largest city, Chicago, is suffering from a staggering outbreak of violent crime not seen since gang wars engulfed major cities from L.A. to New York in the mid-'90s, while rising taxes have prompted a mass exodus where the state lost one resident every 4.3 minutes in 2017. And then they go on to talk about some of their prior headlines like Illinois pension funding ratio sinks to 37% as unfunded liability surge to $130 billion. Illinois unpaid vendor backlog hits a new record at o- over $16 billion. Uh, and then it says here, seen in this light, any irrational actions undertaken by the near insolvent state would almost make sense if not be expected actually make that irrational and utterly bizarre, such as a proposed offering of a mind-blowing $107 billion in debt, a never-before-attempted amount in the world of munis, which is municipal bonds, to, quote, fund the state's insolvent pension system, which would also assure that Illinois would default even faster in the very near future. So here's the deal. These Places like a state of Illinois, if they issue $100 billion of debt, number one, they have to pay interest of some sort. Interest on municipal bond debt isn't real high these days, but even 2%, if it's tax-free to a guy in a 30% tax bracket, is probably worth 3% to anyone else. So it's they're going to have to pay 2%, so $100 billion is going to cause $2 billion more in their deficit, and when are they ever going to pay this back? If they can't pay currently their bill, they can't even pay their bills. How are they going to pay back a hundred billion in municipal bond, new municipal bond debt? That's the type of thing I'm talking about. When I say this system is like walking on eggshells right now, it's really not that solid. And uh, I just, I really do see trouble brewing, but the, this Swing of the stock market the last few days is not the reason I see trouble brewing. I just think that's a that 's just a sign that we 're living in fake markets and i don 't i don 't really plan on letting my plans and my investments get head faked out of existence and that 's why my main job here I consider when i 'm talking to you is to let you know that there are ways for you to take your particular nest egg or whatever you've saved, whatever you've got in your uh, 403B or your pension that's coming or supposed to be coming. I'm just trying to make sure you do the best you can to make sure that you don't get stuck without what you thought you should have had. Now, speaking on the subject of pensions, I have another article I wanted to share, and I'll be coming up on that second break at the bottom of the hour here, Uh, After we do, I have more good national news, and I got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. This one is called This Tiny Corner of Rhode Island, which you know is the smallest state. It's about the size of the Bay Area. Shows us the future of Social Security. Well, Here's that promised break. I will give you a break. I'll be right back. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. I will keep you educated in just a minute. Stay tuned.
1: Hey, this is Rich with DJ Carports and Garages. We've been serving the Butte County area since 2000 with carports, sheds, and other type of metal buildings. We have warranties of 25 years on a galvanized steel frame and 40 years on the powder-coated sheeting. Give me a holler if you'd like me to look at the spot that you're considering, and I will share with you the options that are available. My number is 530-877-1222. That's 877-1222. Thanks, and you have a great day. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickis. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the free speech rights of a Baltimore pro-life pregnancy clinic when they ruled the required posting of government-mandated messages about abortion in the center infringed upon First Amendment rights. You see, the messages were considered to be compelled speech. This issue is plaguing other pro-life centers across the United States as well. Pacific Justice Institute currently has a similar case pending right now before the United States Supreme Court. The recent ruling is a hopeful victory for the pro-life pregnancy centers around the nation who exist to help women and protect the sanctity of human life. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org.
0: I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In '96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores, and at '09, it was me. Your backyard fire pit that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
2: Only you can prevent wildfires.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, keeping you educated, informed, and depressed sometimes. I'm sorry about that. But remember, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And if I can help you go out and start learning about how to ensure that your retirement and your nest egg doesn't go away, well, I will do that. So I'll turn, a, I'll turn lemons into lemonade by doing it that way. Okay, so the article that I mentioned before the break is, This tiny corner of Rhode Island shows us the future of Social Security. And this is from a man named Simon Black, and his website's called SovereignMan.com. And again, this came from Zero Hedge. I don't have time to search 100 different websites for articles like this, and I bet you don't either if you're a local business person like me. But you can take 10 minutes every day, go to ZeroHedge.com, and look at the headlines and read the ones that interest you, and you will be much more better much better educated than 90% of the people you see the rest of your day. I guarantee you that. So I'm going to just read this for a little bit. It's a short article. The United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit gave us an interesting glimpse of the future last week when it ruled on an obscure case involving, get this folks, government pension obligations. I've been talking about this for months now. Ever since the mid-1990s, police officers and firefighters in the town of Cranston, Rhode Island, had been promised state pension benefits upon retirement. But, facing critical budget shortfalls over the last several years that the Rhode Island government called fiscal peril, the state legislature voted to unilater- excuse me, unilaterally reduce public employees' pension benefits. Even more, these cuts were retroactive. In other words, they didn't just apply to new employees. The changes were applied across the board. Workers who had spent their entire careers being promised certain retirement benefits ended up having their pensions cut as well. Now, I want to point out that that is a big feature for me because all these years when I sort of raise my eyebrows, when I see a client, I saw a client today. And the pension income is 120000 a year. And I raise my eyebrow a little and say, do you realize that can that really last forever with that kind of purchasing power for $10,000 a month? And one of the answers I've been getting for years and years is, well, the new people aren't getting the good stuff. But I locked in back when I was working, so I get it forever and they can't take it away. I'm going to read that last line again. The changes were applied across the board. Workers who had spent their entire careers being promised certain retirement benefits ended up having their pensions cut as well. Even the court acknowledged that these changes, quote, substantially reduced the value of public employee pensions provided by the Rhode Island system. So naturally, a number of municipal employee unions sued. Well, obviously, the unions are there to protect the members, So they're the ones that are going to initiate lawsuits. And the case of Cranston's police and firefighter unions made it all the way to federal court. The union's argument was that the government of Rhode Island was contractually bound to pay benefits. These benefits had been enshrined in longstanding state legislation, and they should be enforced just like any other contract. The state government disagreed. In their view, the legislature should be able to change laws even retroactively whenever it suits them. Last week, the First Circuit Court issued a final ruling and sided with the state of Rhode Island. The government has no obligation to honor its promises. News like this will never make major headlines. But here at Sovereign Man, that's this man's website, our team pays very close attention to these obscure court cases because they often set very dangerous precedents. This one certainly does, because Social Security is in even worse condition than the state of Rhode Island's perilous pension system. According to the Board of Trustees for Social Security, which includes the U.S. Treasury Secretary, the U.S. Secretary for Health and Human Services, and the U.S. Secretary of Labor, The Social Security trust funds become depleted and unable to pay scheduled benefits in full on a timely basis in 2034. Once again, that's the Treasury Secretary of the United States saying that Social Security will run out of money in 16 years. You'd think this would be shouted from the rooftops, especially given how long it takes to save for retirement. Yet instead, the news is ignored or flat-out rejected by people who simply want to believe either that it's not a problem or that the government has some magical solution. The First Circuit just showed us what the solution is, cutting benefits, and now the government has legal precedent to do so. They can retroactively slash whatever benefit they want in their sole discretion, regardless of what legislation exists or what promises have been made in the past. Let's be smart about this. The clock is ticking. 16 years may seem like a lifetime away, but with respect to retirement, it's nothing. That is what I'm going to read from there. It's not that long of an article. I just, a week or two ago, told you guys that Social Security does a report every year, and they said they're going broke. Nobody can rely on Social Security as their only retirement money. And if you have other retirement money, you must... You must act somehow to protect it. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm a licensed CPA. Anything I tell you is just for your information and entertainment only. I try to tell you the things that I look at to help myself, and I recommend you do the same. You also need to do what's called do your own due diligence, It's up to you to find out your specific situation. There's lots of quality tax professionals in the North State. I'm one of them, but I'm not the only one. You can ask your tax person about these things too. How many financial people are in your life? How many are in your sphere of influence? That's a good question. Do you have a bank person that you talk to personally? Do you have a financial planner or stockbroker type that you talk to personally? Do you have a professional tax preparer like me, a CPA, or an enrolled agent, or another tax preparer that you talk to once a year? You need to utilize these people and take advantage of their knowledge. I've been doing taxes for almost 40 years now on a full-time basis. I'm available for free initial consultations. Other people do the same. You have to take charge of your money and you have to be careful. Okay, I'm not going to beat a dead horse more than 10 times per month and that one was probably number eight, so I'll, I'll give it another whirl next time. But it's so important, I can't stress it too much. Another main point I've made is that regarding the new tax law, the argument against it has been that it causes a $1.5 trillion increase to our deficit over 10 years. I have pointed out numerous times in the shows lately that there's a report, and if you Google University of Michigan 21 trillion, you will be able to read the report. They have found that in a 15 year period, two large federal government units have misappropriated or lost or can't account for $21 trillion of money. And that's over 15 years. That translates to about a million and a half, a trillion and a half per year. So whenever anybody tells me that the tax cut that I see saving every one of my clients, even the one, these are clients that don't make a ton of money. Every one of my clients that I've helped so far is getting a tax cut for 2018 of at least $70 or $80 a month. So anytime someone tells me they don't agree with this tax cut, I am gonna beg to differ because that deficit could be made up simply by finding and not allowing the theft of trillions of dollars a year from our tax money to who knows where. And when I say who knows where, what I mean is you and I don't know where, I can guess where, but there are people who know darn well where that $21 trillion is. But they ain't, they ain't talking. In that vein, I have another new article that just came out. Again, I found it on zerohedge.com. And the title of this article, it actually came out with today's date. Pentagon Auditor Can't Account for $800 Million in Spending. The Pentagon's Defense Logistics Agency has reportedly, quote, lost track of hundreds of millions of dollars it spent, said Ernst & Young, the accounting firm conducting the first-ever Pentagon audit, according to Politico. As a sidebar here, I told you, as my KKXX listeners on Business Buzz, I told you about this audit a couple of weeks ago. It's the first time ever that real auditors other than government GAO I'll just say government workers have done the, quote, audit. And it's the first time that the Pentagon has ever been audited. They're already, and it's the first year they're doing is October 15 to September 16. So this small portion of this audit has already found $800 million that just disappears. And I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg. That's my main beef with this whole deficit situation. We wouldn't even have a deficit if all this money hadn't been stolen. And could you imagine what went on before the internet? Can you imagine what went on 50, 60 years ago when Eisenhower mentioned the military industrial complex? And I would like to mention of which he was a huge part. When he mentioned that in his parting speech, it's almost like an old man regretting what he lived his whole life and then he's kind of fessing up when he leaves. Woodrow Wilson did the same thing. He felt so bad about the horrible millions of people that he absolutely made miserable with World War I that he did the same kind of semi-confession in his old age. But I, as you can tell, I have no respect for that type of fessing up at the very end. But I mean, for Eisenhower to talk about the military-industrial complex, it's like, give me a break our next break's coming up in a minute. I've got some other very interesting stories to tell you about. I hope you're learning something. I'll see you at the other side of the break with more education. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. Stay tuned.
1: The Bible is the answer. This is Ken Ham, a missionary with a passion for sharing God's word with the world. Yesterday we learned that 81% of Americans see morality declining in their nation. So what do they think is the solution? Well, a majority said the Bible is the solution to the mess our society is in. While it's great to see that people believe the Bible is the solution, but do they actually treat the Bible as if it's the answer? Research shows that only 20% of Americans actively read and study their Bibles, and only 10% have a biblical worldview. So while they may have a concept of the Bible as the answer, people aren't actually turning to the Bible to see what it says about morality. As Christians, God's Word must be our authority for morality. Learn more about culture, science, and the Bible at AnswersRadio.com. You'll be encouraged with solid answers from God's Word when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com.
0: I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores. And at 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester,
2: and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires.
0: Harold Littlejohn, CPA, Business Buzz, taking care of business. I have some more words to the wise. By the way, how's your business? I'm getting a lot of calls from young people who are starting their own self-employed business, and it's really fun. I can teach them a lot about what they're going to be facing, what kind of taxes. One of the most important things I do for these young people who are starting out self-employed Once I can assess what their tax looks like based on the rates on their net income as a percentage of their gross income, I can then tell them something like this. Okay, based on what we expect to have happen this first year, you don't have to always prepay in the first year, and you don't know what you're going to end up making. But as you go, each month, I tell them, okay, put 15 or 20% of your gross income in the savings account because that's probably about what the tax is going to end up being. And if they listen to me and they can budget well enough like that, then at the end of the year when we do their tax, a lot of times I'll overstate it a little bit so that if they do follow the instructions all year, they'll actually have money left over that they can put toward the following year's first tax payment. That's the type of help a tax professional can give you. There's lots of great tax professionals in the North State I offer free initial consultations. I'm sure a lot of them do. And even during tax season when I'm real busy, if I get a call from a new client, I'll spend time on the phone with them in the evening or in the morning before my appointments start, and I'll make sure to get them the help they need. If I'm not the right person for them, I'll let them know, and I'll try to refer them to someone who is uh, even better equipped. But I'm very encouraging of you to consult a tax professional if you have any issues with self-employed income, how much tax do you think I'm going to owe? Any question like that, a tax professional is just an invaluable helper for your general financial. Now, I go farther than that because I do this show, and I like to talk about investments even though I'm not a financial planner. I like to talk about things you should be asking your broker. Oh, one thing I will say since tax season started and I'm starting to see a lot of people on a daily basis I'm hearing the same old story when the stock market goes down and I get into a conversation about, well, you I know, hope you guys are keeping your money safe. One of the most famous comments I've been hearing for years is, oh, it's okay. A lot of my money's in bonds. I won't go into detail today because I'm beating a dead horse again. Bonds are in the biggest bubble in the world's history of mankind. If you think your money is safe in bonds... I do have that bridge in Florida. Okay. That didn't make sense. I have that bridge in Arizona. Okay. Well, they do have a bridge in Arizona. They moved the London Bridge there. I can't even use that one anymore. All right. So I'm going to read you part of an article. I've got two topics for the last segment here. One is the article that I want to read you about the economy. The other one, we're going to talk about ghosts and spirits. How's that sound? This article is from my favorite author. I've mentioned him quite a few times. I'm going to read you a little bit more. His name is Egon von Greyers. He's a Swiss financial author and journalist, and he also owns an investment company. I'm going to read a little bit here. Virtually no investors study history, and the few who do always think it is different today. Now, as a side note, keep in mind, with the market fluctuating up thousands of points a day and down a 1,000, then up up and down today 6,000 points between all the moves, this is exactly what he's talking about. The most important lesson is that people never learn. If they did, they wouldn't be invested in a stock market that on any criteria is now at a bubble extreme. And they wouldn't be invested in a global debt market. Now, those are bonds, folks a global debt market which has grown exponentially in recent decades and which will become worthless in the next few years as debtors default. Nor would anyone hold paper money which is down 97 to 99% in the last 100 years and which is guaranteed to soon fall the final bit to take the value to zero. I will say to you right now, keep in mind that these things, when the market goes down, it goes down a lot faster than it goes up. And if you've noticed the last few days, I mean, how long does it take for, how long does it take for 1,800 Dow points? Even in a fast-rising market like we've had lately, that takes at least two or three weeks, minimum. Well, that it went down in two days. That's what I'm saying. It goes down faster than it goes up. I'm going to keep reading. The history of money clearly illustrates that the more it changes, the more it is the same thing. The most constant factor in the history of money is the cycle of boom and bust or euphoria and despair. Cycles are part of nature, just like the change of seasons. But throughout history, mankind has always believed that they know better than previous generations and can eliminate the cycle of boom and bust. This is what the British Prime Minister Gordon Brown proudly declared before the economy collapsed in 2007. And the Nobel Prize winner in economics, Paul Krugman, also believes that eternal prosperity can be generated by creating endless debt and printing unlimited money. But history has time and time again turned hubristic know-it-alls into humbled has-beens. Whenever mankind has deviated from sound money, the consequences have, without fail, been catastrophic. The only money which has survived since it first came into use around 6,000 years ago is gold. All other money has been destroyed by greed and economic mismanagement. I believe I have quoted Voltaire for over 20 years and will continue to do so. Quote, paper money eventually returns to its intrinsic value, zero. Whether we go back 100 years, 300 years, or 2,000 years, those superb nine words are the most exact and scientific definition of economic history. This is the most important lesson that any student of economics should learn. Armed with that knowledge, anyone can forecast the likely outcome of an economic cycle, especially the current one. So why are investors not taking heed and protecting themselves against risks that on a global scale have never been greater? The first reason is greed. Whether it is stocks, tulip bulbs, or bitcoins, and by the way, I've talked about tulip bulbs, I'm not sure that Bitcoins are a bubble and a thing of the past, but we'll talk about that some other time. People never learn. I'm reading again. Greed takes over and numbs any rational thinking. And that is why most investors will ride the bubble markets until they are virtually worthless. And then he says in a title, I experienced the 1973, 1987, 2000, and 2007 collapses. Experience and a long professional life are a great advantage when it comes to understanding risk. Nothing beats personally experiencing major market crashes of 50% or more in 1973, 1987, 2000, and 2007. This certainly makes you more aware of risk and therefore the necessity to preserve wealth. Looking back at the Dow since 1971, it is up 29 times. So why worry? Because stocks always go up. Yes, it is absolutely true that in the last 47-odd years, since Nixon took away the gold backing of the dollar, asset markets have boomed. But most of these gains have been illusory due to credit expansion, money printing, and currency debasement. But investors are still certain that stocks will continue to grow over time. They don't realize what will happen to their investments when the punch bowl is taken away and interest rates increase substantially, and that is what we will see in the next few years. Stocks have been going up only because of credit expansion and artificially low interest rates. These two factors are unlikely to be in play in coming years. Yes, central banks will panic and print unlimited amounts of money, but the market will soon realize that this money is worthless and therefore will have no effect. What investors don't realize, and you really need to listen to this, What investors don't realize is that it can take a very long time for stocks to climb back up that high wall of worry after a big fall. In 1929, the Dow peaked at 381 and then fell 90% over less than three years to bottom at 40 in 1932. But what few investors realized that it took 26 years before the Dow was back to the 1929 high. The almost 700 points drop in the Dow on Friday was a foretaste of things to come. Now, this was written before the 1100 drop on Monday. We might not see the end of the multi-decade bull market quite yet, but risk is colossal today. Once the bear market starts, the Dow will experience days of several thousand point declines. The 1929 crash was 90%, but since the current bubble is so much greater by any measure, the coming fall of U.S. stock markets is likely to be at least 95%. Uh, then he goes on to talk about the fact that the Japanese market still hasn't recovered from where it was almost 30 years ago. There's a lot of more good things in that article, but I'm not going to spend my whole rest of the time here before the end of the show. I want to talk to you about some other things that are a little more, shall I say, esoteric. I will say that I have warned you over and over that the average average, Lifespan of a paper money is 27 years, and our current dollar without gold backing since 1971 is 47 years old. Our dollar is on borrowed time. You need to take precautions. And like I say, that's just my main, that's my main, uh, I I do kind of harp on it. I don't want to repeat myself, but I want to warn you that what you see is not always the truth. So I was reading some other articles that were very interesting. And one of them, well, there's two of them that are sort of related. I'm just going to mention them and then I'm going to talk about my topic for the last few minutes here. One of the ones that caught my eye is, it's from the Independent in UK. And the title of this article is, When You Die, You Know You Are Dead. Major study shows mind still works after the body shows no signs of life. Death just became even more scary. Scientists say people are aware they're dead because their consciousness continues to work after the body has stopped showing signs of life. That means that theoretically, someone may even hear their own death being announced by medics. Now, this all has to do with that thing about the old story of near-death experiences where people come back after they've been pronounced dead and they say that they can remember the conversations that were going on so that, And that's, that's what I'm trying to get to isn't really a big deal. I just wanted to preface it with that article. Um, so there was another article that popped up that I thought was interesting regarding that, and it was also from The Independent, which is a British paper. And this one is titled, Man Pronounced Dead by Three Doctors Starts Snoring in Mortuary Hours Before Postmortem. And it says here, Gonzalo Montoya Jimenez had autopsy autopsy markings on him ready to be opened up. A prisoner certified dead by three doctors was reportedly found to be alive just hours before his postmodem. So now the reason I'm talking about this isn't because I'm interested in near-death experiences and, you know, what happens to us in the afterlife. Uh, That's not my point My point is, is that everything I read and everything I work on religiously, I enjoy the Bible, but I always still refer when I'm reading biblical passages. Also, I enjoy always equating them to my favorite book, which has been my study. KKXX
1: Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR
0: Chico Yuba City Marysville.
1: Off. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great planning, Bob. Where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta Springwater if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally the best. Mount Shasta Springwater. For an engine to start, quite a few things have to happen with split-second timing. Many things can happen perfectly, but if one small thing doesn't work, our radio station is much the same way. We can have all the right teaching and talk programs. We can be broadcasting to thousands. But if one crucial element is missing, it just doesn't work. That element is your financial support of our programs. Regular financial support and prayer support. We depend on it. With you standing behind us, everything will run just fine. You're listening to Life Radio, KKXX AM and FM.
2: And admit that the waters around you have grown, and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone oh, the times are Hello and welcome back to today's Unfiltered Air. This is going to be the last show of Unfiltered Air today. Uh, we'll talk about that more near the end of the show. Uh, you've, been, you've known of the untenable situation that I've been in. If you've been following the show, you've you known. And uh, I've made the decision, or it's been made for me, really. Uh, It's not something I want to do, but it's what I have to do. I look back at this date, back in 2015, three years ago, as this show was getting started. And there was a post that I had made out there uh, talking about something that was happening in the BBC, and it was talking about socialism. I just want to read this for you real quickly. Kind of prophetic. It says, yes, indeed, boys and girls, it's coming. You are going to have to choose where you stand. Are you prepared to submit to progressive socialism? Or do you stand with the constitutional republic? There is no more hiding from this, hoping that other people will fight for you. Or ignoring this and hoping it will just go away. It's not going away. And indeed, this really isn't going away. You know, we're we're seeing right now today the stock market going up and down and up, and it was down and then it's up. Uh, and you know, we may actually be seeing the correction that we've been expecting for a while. At least in this market, this may not be the catastrophic one, but I think we're seeing we're seeing a correction. This is the a market trying to find its top, is what I've read. This up and down, up and down, up and down every day. This is it's trying to find it at the top. We're we're seeing a correction now. I think we can safely say that. Uh, we've been expecting this. We've been having really irrational exuberance uh, with the election of Donald Trump. The, the stock market was just being buoyed up by emotional feelings, really, uh, because it's just now that we're actually seeing positive effects in the economy from what Donald Trump has done uh, in reducing taxes. Up until now, it, it, there just hasn't been much. There's really been no reason for any improvement. But just as we're seeing the real things happen, the, the irrational exuberance is finally uh, taking its toll